0: Got time for a quick story. So you could be a band that's been around for a long, long time, but you're still an active band. You still create music and release music. And the thought dawned on me as I was getting ready to do the uh, interview you're about to hear that you can label your output differently if you get a, a new level of prestige. But you can put it in a in a unique context The first release from Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, The Zombies. Now, again, at first blush, you might go, wait, 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 wait. The Zombies have been around for decades. Not any upcoming releases, not their first release. It would be their first release as Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. The Zombies are, as of the recording of this episode, about to release their first new studio album, Since before, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 2019. So yes, this will be their first release as Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Different Game is the name of the album. It comes out on March 31st of 2023. Coming down the road as of this recording that I'm doing on Valentine's Day of 2023 with Colin Blunstone, the longtime lead singer of The Zombies, had a really good interview about this new album here it is. I just got done listening to the well not like this morning, over the past like 3 days or so I had an advanced copy of the album. Um and I've been lis- been listening through different game. Really like it. Um what I'll I'll start by by asking about the the first the the two songs I saw there was a, the, the liner notes I think I think there was quotes from Rod Argent that there were what a couple songs that were recorded before the pandemic. Am I correct on that?
1: They were yes.
0: Which songs were those?
1: Um, from memory, it's "Merry Go Round" and "Runaway." Okay, were the two songs that were recorded before the pandemic? Then you know because we like to record with everyone in the studio at the same time. Um. Whereas a lot of bands don't do that. You know, people record their parts separately. But we like to record all at the same time. And with the pandemic, especially with our bass player being Danish and living in Copenhagen, um, it just ma- it made it very difficult for us to get together. And so recording the album, we thought would probably take a couple of months. And it's I think it's taken over two years, probably getting on for three years.
0: Was there any noticeable difference In recording before the pandemic, and then after you all could get back together and do what you wanted to do, was there any change in the approach of? I mean, I know the recording was was supposed to be a a relatively you know come in, record in a short amount of time, but was there any real difference between pre and post?
1: I don't think so. No, Um, the only thing I would say from a personal point of view is that you know as a as a vocalist. I need to sing regularly, and not just practice, I need to, to, to uh, perform for real, you know? And so, from my point of view, it probably took me a couple of days to, to get back up to speed again. Um, I've noticed it in live performances as well, that I, I really like to perform regularly. If, I have, if there are gaps where there are no concerts, it can be a little bit of a struggle for the first two or three concerts when we get back together again. That's from, just from a personal point of view. I think the other guys are much the same, really. I, I always liken performing to professional sport. If you see someone come back after injury, perhaps they haven't played golf or tennis for a year or something, the first few uh, times that they're um, playing again, uh, you know, they're, they're not... <clears throat> they're not back to their old self. you know it take, just takes them a few a few games to get back to the standard that were at that they were at before
0: how did you keep your voice going during the pandemic
1: well i mean i i you know i do one or two things like firstly just common sense you know i try and it's the same with the pandemic and it's the same when we're on the road i try and eat sensibly i try and get plenty of sleep but most importantly uh, is to hydrate, to drink plenty of water. Then the other thing I do is I started with a singing coach when, when I was probably in my 40s or something like that, and he taught me a little bit about singing technique, and he also gave me a set of singing exercises that I just try to do as often as I can. Today I've done them twice. Mm. Some days I don't do them at all, but I find if I do my singing exercises fairly regularly that keeps me in pretty good shape
0: so how would you assess your voice today compared to like in, in terms of technique and such and having gone through that coaching a while back how would you assess your voice yeah. today compared to i mean like the hits era but, he, but the early hits era of the, of the zombies but then at any other point in your singing career over the decades
1: well um i think i sang more naturally when i was younger That that was completely uncoached. Uh, I had no real musical background at all, except singing in the band. So, um, and I found it comparatively simple to sing in tune. Um, I think as I've got older, that gets, you lose a bit of control in your voice and possibly your voice gets a little, I I don't know whether you would say deeper or darker. It, It doesn't sound quite so boyish which stands to reason as you get older, I think. Um, I've been lucky in that I've kept most of my range. We still sing all the original zombie songs in the original keys. I'm really fortunate, and I I put a lot of that down to these vocal exercises that I do, that I've managed to maintain my range. So so that's really good. On the plus side as I've got older, I think my phrasing has got better. I didn't understand about phrasing at all when I was younger. I just sang off the top of my head. But now, I especially go through these songs with Rod Argent, and we talk about the phrasing in minute detail before, before we actually do the recording. So I think I'm, I'm more on top of the phrasing, but I have to work harder with the intonation.
0: Uh, what, is there a particular song on this album that you feel maybe most proud of in terms of your vocal performance? There you go. That one, I, there's some, something special about the way you sang it and the way it got on tape. Is there one of the ten that really jumps out that way?
1: Um, I mean, I I do quite like the vocal on Drop Reeling and Stupid, which is the second track on the album, because that, that's a live performance. And we were talking about, okay, we we've, we've done the live performance. Now we'll do the recording, you know, properly. We'll, we'll record the master vocal. And we listened to it and we thought, well, what would we change? It <laughs> sounds fine. So I'm, I'm quite proud of that. Um, the song came very naturally to me. And as I said, it, it, that is a live vocal. But the, by contrast, uh, the next single that's going to be released from the album is a, is a ballad that sounds incredibly simple. And it's called Love You While I Can. And I really struggled singing. I I can't explain it. It's a really simple song, <laughs> and I really struggled on that one. So that was very difficult. The last track is called "The Sun Will Rise Again," and that's the the only song I wrote on the on the album. And I, I'm really pleased with that because uh, it's a song from that I've taken from my life. Where it's 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 a song about love, but it's it's. Uh, a love of a parent to a child as opposed to a normal love song. And it's a time a few years ago when my daughter was going through a very rough time, and the idea from this song just came really naturally from what was going on in my life at that time. So I'm I'm very pleased that that song got onto the album.
0: I was actually watching the music video for Love You While I Can this morning, and I believe that was posted today if I saw the timestamp correct, so I just happened to catch it just right now um
1: I, i've seen it once myself as well i think it's a really good video that goes with it
0: it is it's and, it's um, touching yes
1: yes and uh and i think that the vocal sounds you know fairly <laughs> relaxed but i think uh, there's steam coming out of my ears by the end of the time i've finished that vocal um Anyway, all's well that
0: ends well. It, it's true. Yes, it, it is clearly good enough to make the album, and it, it does sound very good. How did the? Uh, I was looking at the credits at the end, and I'm blanking on the name of the person who put the video together. But how did you guys come to arrange to make that to to get all of those sets of couples to make up the nature of that video?
1: Well. Now, I'm not going to be able to uh, remember the name either. This is an interesting point. I must have this name written down. But the young lady who put that together is a Ukrainian who's just actually got out of Ukraine and has gone into a neighboring country. But she works with our management company, uh, The Rocks Management, and she came up with that idea. She just has the gift of of putting videos together. I'm really sorry. I can't give her a, a name check but um i uh, you you've shown me that i need to do a bit of research there
0: that's quite all right and i'll put it in at the at the end of the interview here for anyone who's listening to it i'll make a note of that and put a link there so people can check that out cuz yeah it's it's a really good video and it's it's worth anyone worth watching it especially on a day like today on valentine's day it's it's perfect timing on that um th- there's, absolutely there's that lyric video for Drop, reeling and stupid um Again, the artistry of that, and again, lyric video different from music video, but it's still, it's a, there's an aesthetic. Um, how did that one come together to come up with that in the animated imagery for that one?
1: Well, I think that the the idea behind that is from the picture on the you know on the on the CD uh, cover, and it's a picture that actually Rod Argent took when we broke down in the Arizona desert, sort of two or three hours from anywhere. The engine in our in our bus caught fire. It it really could have been quite dangerous. Um, it, it caught fire, but we managed to stop the truck and put the, put the fire out. But the temperature was 107 degrees, and we were stuck in the desert, as I said, in the middle of nowhere. And it took I think five hours for people to come and get us, just just purely because it, we were in the middle of nowhere. It, it took you know trucks had to be hired and buses had to be hired and everything and then they had to get to us so it was an interesting situation looking back it could have been quite dangerous but i mean we just thought of it as one of the sort of things that just happens on the road and you just have to deal with it really but one interesting point was that at the side of the road there were all these holes alongside where the truck had stopped and i just asked someone what what are these holes? I thought it was some kind of drainage thing or something. And they said, oh, no, that's snake holes. And I have visions of, as the night fell, these snakes would be, I don't know if they were fresh snake holes or if there were snakes down there at all. But I was a little apprehensive that as night fell, that snakes would be coming out of these holes, which would have made it very interesting, to say the least. Luckily, we were rescued. Uh, at dusk, and so i I never did find out if there were snakes down there or not
0: I was going to say it looked a little darker on the on the at the in the picture, so yeah it's probably just as well that the timing worked out on that um why that song as the first single from the album
1: well i mean it's a song that i really i personally i really like um but I have to be honest and say that the record company um chose that chose that track they, they've chosen three tracks actually so that's the first single um love you while i can is the second one and i believe merry-go-round is going to be the third one but that that comes from cooking vinyl the the record label
0: right um
1: i'm very happy with their choice you know but i'm um, i i was not involved in the choice at all
0: yeah. I, I I hear some musical influences, and that might just be my brain working a certain way and comparing them. Like, there's one track, and it might be Mary Garron, and I'm, I apologize, I'm blanking on it right now, but there was one that almost has like a Steely Dan sort of sound to it, and it might be a different song, but that I was kind of catching that, where a different game, the first thing I hear as it comes out, I'm thinking Whiter Shade of Pale, right off the bat. Absolutely,
1: Was that Absolutely. intentional? Well, I mean... Well, if I could say the answer to your first uh, statement, first of all, I, I think that the band are huge Steely Dan fans. So, if anything does remind you of Steely Dan, I, I can assure you nothing's been copied. But <laughs> if there's a if there's a nuance of Steely Dan in any of the tracks, I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, <laughs> with regard to different game, I know exactly what you mean about the white shade of Power. But if I could just approach the subject in a slightly different way and if you think of Bach, the composer, the classical composer, I think the Whiter Shade of Pale has been hugely influenced by Bach and so is Different Game, which you can you could interpret as saying that Different Game is is, you know, similar to Well Whiter Shade of Pale. But the real influence comes from Bach. Um we, we actually performed in his hometown, which I can't remember, and w- which it is. And then Rod actually went back. There's a Bach festival there every year. And he spent a week in that town going from one Bach performance to another. And he just got that music into his brain and...
0: That's how this song came about. Aha! Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, if anyone is familiar with the with the wider shade of pale, clearly the Bach influence is there. That's a, that's a good reminder to all of us that well, I mean, there's influence, but influence to influence. You may have already partially answered the next question, but what? Have you noticed any other or influences to Rod's songwriting, or has he mentioned other influences that are coming in for this batch of songs on Different Game?
1: Rod usually plays his cards close to his chest when he's talking about songs and influences. I've, you know, I've known Rod for about sixty years, and I know one or two stories about where songs have come from and you know the general influence. May Maybe in a lyric or something like that, but mostly he will always say that the lyric on a song means What it means to you mm. It's it's a, it's personal for you. It may not be the same thing as it means for him or for me um, So he'll usually keep the lyrical content a little bit a little bit of a mystery about the lyrical content and a complete mystery about the melody concept <laughs> he, he uh, that stays very much with him i do know one thing um different games, of the the title track was ta- the idea came after he saw a documentary on a very well known uh rock and roll artist um who who had all the conditions that you you get get in this lyric if you if you read through the lyric, this guy was someone who was always blaming other people for things that happened, that were really his responsibility. I'm sworn to secrecy as to who it is, (laughs) but that's where that idea came from. It's from a documentary about a very well-known rock and roll personality. Um, I mean, there is always, you know, there's always a trigger for a song, but it doesn't have to be literal. You know, you get an idea for a song, But it's not necessarily line for line what happened or what was in that documentary or what happened in this Bach festival in Germany. It's rarely line for line. But what you need is that spark to start a song off or a trigger to start the song off. And then hopefully it will flow from there.
0: Mm. Uh, Speaking of songs that seem to provide a bit of a spark to me, I, I would argue my favorite was I Want to Fly. Uh, it just, it stands out it's so vivid from even from the rest of the album. Uh, how, uh, how, what do you know of how that one came together and having the, having the, the strings in the background?
1: Well, um, what I would say is that is one of the only, that's the only re-recording of the zombies anyway on this album. It's a song of, it's a favorite song of mine and it's just, I know it's a favorite song of Rod's and he, we did record it before, but with more with the band and very simple strings. Actually, that Rod wrote the, the part for uh, the version we did before. But he'd always wanted to try and get more out of that song. And he went back to a guy we've worked with before, a wonderful string arranger called Chris Gunning. And he arranged many of the tracks on my first solo album, which was called One Year, was recorded in 1971. Uh, Rod Argent and Chris White from the original Zombies produced that album. There was a huge hit single in the UK, a top 20 single in the UK. Unfortunately, it wasn't um, a hit in America. But Rod had always wanted to revisit this song, I Want to Fly. And so the two things came together, revisit I Want to Fly and revisit the arranger that we worked with in 1971, chris gunning and chris gunning wrote this wonderful arrangement for this version of the song and then we were introduced to a fantastic string quint uh, quartet called the, the q strings uh, four lovely uh english ladies who uh, who play together sometimes they they play with elo sometimes they play at classical concerts uh, mm. they they can play anything and the q strings uh, added that that wonderful arrangement, so it was um, a lot of things coming together really. Uh, Rod wanting to revisit the song, remembering Chris Gunning from 1971, and then being introduced to this wonderful quartet.
0: It's an, it's really nice, and I'm I'm glad that it was able to all come together like that. The rest of the band all yeah. playing on most of the other tracks, especially now. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is your first studio album with Soren Kock. You mentioned the Dan from the Danish bass player. This is the first one that he's done as a full album with the band.
1: I believe it is. Okay. Yes,
0: so I hadn't thought
1: of that before. But yes, it is. He is a wonderful musician. Obviously, he's playing in the band. Came about because of a, a real tragedy in the band that Jim Rodford, who had we'd all known since we were. Well, he's actually Rod's cousin. But so he's known him all his life, but I've known him since I was about 15. Jim had played with many bands, notably he was uh, 18 years with the Kinks. He played with the Animals, many other bands. And he'd been in the Zombies for 18 or 19 years as well, this incarnation of the band. Uh, he, he he joined us in 1999 when the band first got together. And tragically, he had an accident in, in his home. He, he fell on the stairs and he died. I mean, it was just tragic. I was talking to him on a Friday night, nine o'clock at night, and Saturday morning, his son, who's also in our band, rang me and told me that he'd he'd fallen during the night down the stairs. Actually, it was up the stairs, incredibly enough. And it was so strange to realize that a few hours before I'd been talking to him. Absolutely normal conversation. And um, then he had this accident. We had to decide very quickly whether we were going to keep the band going. And Jim, more than anyone, loved playing live. He would, he would be playing. If the zombies were resting, you know, we had a month off. Jim would be out playing with many different bands that he had associations with. And we thought we knew he would want us to keep playing. And we were introduced to Sorencock. Uh, it was, it was phenomenal. He knew all the songs. He'd been over to see us play in concerts he, because he lives in Denmark. He'd been over to England to see us play. And he knew all the songs, all the bass parts. He knew all the harmonies. I was absolutely stunned. A few days after we met him, we all flew to New York and we played our first concert. I think we played through the set in New York and that, that was our only rehearsal. And he was note perfect. Hmm. He's an incredible musician. Lovely guy.
0: Wow. How would you describe the chemistry of the band now with his addition and not that it's like not to say better or worse, whatever. What is there some way you can describe how the band works together musically, etc. with him now in the group?
1: Well, I mean you're quite right. I don't think you can ever say it's it's better or it's worse, it's just different um he he does i mean they, Jim and Soren just have different characters. they both have a very strong stage presence um and of course, we do miss uh having Jim with us, but Soren has just taken us in taken us in a slightly different direction he 's a very strong harmony singer um he does a a feature on stage playing bass, which is very good and with a slight humorous edge which he introduced just quite naturally it just kind of evolved um so i can only say that it is different neither better nor worse it's just different and i do think soren is a very very strong performer he really is his incredible stage
0: presence Last question for you is about the documentary, which I saw last year was mentioned, hung up on a dream, and I saw a note that it's still coming later this year. Could you provide any sort of status update on how that doc is coming along?
1: Well, I think there, there are stages in doing in completing a documentary that I'm not completely familiar with. I think they will do, I might use the wrong expression here, but like a rough cut, And I believe it's going to be shown in the spring this year. And then there will be a final cut after that. But to all intents and purposes, it is finished. I think maybe it needs a little polishing. That's that's how it's been explained to me. And um, none of us have seen it yet, but I believe we're going to see a rough cut uh, when we come over. And I'll be very interested to see it. Although my interest is tinged with a little anxiety, I think, as to what I said, (laughs) because there were so many uh, long, long interviews. I remember sitting in my home, I'm at home now, sitting in my home in this room, I talked to them for five hours. I just wonder what on earth I said for five hours. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, they're going to cut that right back. And um, I, so you, I'm going to sit there with my fingers crossed when I actually see the rough cut of the documentary. But, I mean, we're all really looking forward to it. And to a large extent, it features the original band. There are four surviving original members. Uh, sadly, um, Paul Atkinson died many years ago. But um, Hugh Grundy, our original drummer, Chris White, our original bass player, and Rod and I are all... Featured in this documentary, as, as well as the present incarnation of the band. So I think it'll be really, really interesting.
0: That'll be worth watching for sure. Uh, and by the way, I just found that the name of the video uh, director, Vlad-, Vlad, I might screw up the pronunciation, Vladislava Sambora, I think is the name of the one who did the video. Okay. For, um, for Love You Well I Can. So when I, anyone hearing this now, go look up the video. You'll find it. It's a great video to watch. Again, just out as of hours ago as we're chatting right now um, with Colin Blunstone. The new album is Different Game. It comes out March 31st. Looking forward to it. Like I said, I've already heard it, so I, I already know it's a good album. Anyone listening, listen to the album as well. Watch the documentary when it comes. Catch the band on tour. And thank you for taking some time to chat today on Valentine's Day about uh, about the zombies and where you guys are at right now.
1: Well, thanks so much, Luke. Thanks for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed having a chat.
0: Well, that was a great uh, chat with Colin Blundstone. A lot of cool information there about the about the process of putting together this album and the backstory on it for a different game. So if you want to learn more about what the zombies are doing, they are constantly updating their website. It's thezombiesmusic.com thezombiesmusic.com. Go there. You'll find out all sorts of information. You also can get a lot of their social media and streaming links there as well, so you can follow what they're doing. And again, the album coming, as of the recording of this interview, coming down the road on March 31st. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio, and Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do these interviews. You can listen to a lot of these interviews and, in some cases, watch them. greatesthits 98onecom Go to the features page at the top of the website. There, You could also find a drop-down that goes straight to interviews and watch and listen to them there. Also, we have a YouTube channel, the GreatestHits98.1 YouTube channel, and find those interviews there as well. Thanks to Melanie Rogers for helping to set up this interview and providing all of the content and prep this chat with colin uh this podcast got time for a quick story you can find it on a lot of the usual podcast platforms subscribe to it so you get the new episodes when they are published and also rate it preferably higher so word spreads around about it got time for a quick story i'm luke anthony